0: This is Dr. Michael Hogue, and you've tuned into my podcast, Stroke Self-Help. This is episode number 12. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Laura, and I'm interviewing her about her experience after her father had a stroke. Hi, Laura. Hi. So, can you describe what your father was like before the stroke?
1: My father had been sick for my entire life before the stroke, up until about maybe 10 years before the stroke when it was discovered that he, the bug that he picked up uh, during the war. He was treated for that in his 60s and had a few years when he got it then he had a stroke. He was in and out of the hospital. That's the thing that I remember the most. But in spite of that, he loved his family. He, um, he would always go to any kind of activities we had. He was a person that believed in nutrition. Is was very careful to provide us the best nutrition think that he thought his number one achievement in life is that his kids had food to eat. Um, very dedicated to us. He did have a temper, but he was a person who really could be depended on and tried his best. Although, of course, being in the hospital constantly made that a little difficult.
0: Can you describe what he was like after the stroke?
1: It was pretty awful. Um, he he wasn't really himself. He was pretty much confined to a wheelchair. He was always very inventive and smart, and he kind of did himself a disservice. He figured out the most efficient way to get from his chair to the table, and and thus deprived himself of the whole position and the exercise he would have got had he not been so efficient in, in figuring all that out. But he had he had figured it out pretty carefully. But he just, he wasn't himself.
0: For the sake of the listeners, he wasn't very conversational. He was pretty tired, pretty lethargic.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. And he came to live with you how long after the stroke?
1: 12 years.
0: 12 years after the stroke. And can you describe the circumstances that led to that?
1: My mother had been taking care of him during those 12 years, and she just exceeded her ability. And actually, um, we had been begging him to come live with us, but he wanted to stay in his own home, as so many people do. And he actually went with my brother first and then it was discovered that he just plain needed a lot more medical care that was available in a small community and I, I lived in a pretty metropolitan area uh, with a lot of retired people and lots of doctors
0: when he first moved to you in addition to seeing all the doctors did you try to help him overcome some of his challenges
1: Oh, yes. In fact, I felt really good about it. I took him to many really good doctors, both medical, MD, and naturopathic, and got a lot of um, really good advice and help. It turned out he'd been misdiagnosed. They had thought he had um, was it cerebral palsy or one of those. And he didn't and it turned out that he had celiac disease really really bad and that had not been diagnosed and i was really thrilled with the care i mean he'd been sick my whole life i had plenty of time to think about what he might need and i was busy doing all the things that the doctors told me to do we got rid of all the gluten we followed uh, their advice, and yes, I noticed a big improvement. I was, I was thrilled with the improvement that he had made. Of course, he was still half paralyzed, not able to get around. Those kind of things did not change. But, but yes, I, I felt like he was definitely better.
0: The things that you did helped him so that he looked and felt healthier? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, I was really quite pleased with the improvements that he had made. Um, And I wasn't really expecting that more could be done.
0: Okay. Now this must have been an incredibly stressful ordeal for you. How did you handle all this extra responsibility and the stress of it? Actually, I thought I did pretty good, although perhaps you have a different perspective than that.
1: I had discovered a lot about what his health problems were. I was busy taking care of them. I felt like he was getting much better care and that he was in a position where if something terrible happened, we had access to resources. Of course, it was exhausting physically and emotionally, but I, I really felt good about what I was doing and thought I was doing a good job.
0: Absolutely. And at the same time, you were working a full-time, high-responsibility job, and that really impacted you, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it did, actually. A lot more than I realized. It probably took more out of me than I could afford to give. Yeah. But I don't regret doing that. It was the right thing to do.
0: A labor of love. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned that you just didn't expect that there was anything more that could be done to get him any better. And so when I came into the picture, what was your expectation?
1: I was cautiously optimistic that you could make some minor improvements, but I wasn't expecting more than that. It had been so long, 12 years, and I just wasn't expecting that a whole lot could be done. But... The first thing you did, if you will recall, is you had your little red and white tape. You worked on it for like about five minutes, and he was able to move that paralyzed arm. And Mom and I both were just like, wow, I can't believe it. And you you said, oh, that's nothing. The trick is keeping him like that all the time. But you did eventually get him to where he could use the arm. So that was pretty cool.
0: Regarding your, your experience while I was working with him, what did you like the best?
1: It was nice to have someone who knew what they were doing. I felt like the natural path that we were using was really very smart. But she did not have the skills to get him to where he could not be paralyzed, you know but she had done a lot for him, but I just it was so exciting to see him make improvements that I hadn't expected or thought were possible.
0: Wow, and um looking back, what about the process? Would you change?
1: Yes, the main thing is that once I saw everything that could happen, I was expecting that that he could just be young again and and not realizing that that was not in the cards. I think emotionally I just wasn't ready to hear that. We've made so many miraculous improvements. I just thought that everything could be done. And that turned out not to be the case.
0: Yes, and I'm so glad you brought that up too because it's probably the most common I have to deal with when I'm working with people. They see things happening and then they just don't know where their expectations should really be. And I think they end up getting a little bit disappointed because even though we can do things that people think are impossible and they get super excited about, they, um, they do have a tendency to set their expectations too high and then to afterwards feel disappointed. We can't do everything. We can't, we can't change the course of nature. And we don't know everything. We don't know everything that we could know. There's limitations to the process. Do you have any advice for someone else experiencing the same kind of situation that you went through?
1: I would say the number one thing I did right is to get information on every possible physical problem that the person has. Instead of just saying, oh, they're old, it's true that not everything can be treated as we just said that so many times the medical doctors especially would just say, well, he's old, what do you expect? But that's not really true. There's something that's wrong, and, and to just say, well, someone's too old to worry about what's wrong with them," I disagree with completely.
0: Yeah, it just kind of comes down to your belief system. If you really believe that help is not possible, then you're not going to do anything about it. But we've been able to demonstrate that things can be done that maybe others thought were not possible. And um, because of that, we, we take action where others would remain still.
1: Yes. I can't do anything because I'm only about seven minutes with this patient, but they don't realize there's other people that can they should at least say, okay, here's the problems that we're seeing. It's beyond me to be able to help you, but at least give that information instead of just saying, shortcut, nothing can be done.
0: Got it. Was there anything else that came to mind?
1: Well, he wasn't able to 100% of the time be able to walk and move, but you got him to where. He was doing that a great deal of the time. He was able to get up. He was able to, he was still using a walker, but for a person who had been paralyzed for 12 years, to get up and move around the house and just go where he wanted and do what he wanted, it was wonderful. And the other thing that I think was even more wonderful his personality changed. He would tell jokes, he would laugh, he would talk with you. It was like getting my dad back. And satisfying as it was for him to be able to, not 100% of the time, but some of the time, be able to be up and walking around and feeling kind of normal again. Or his family and his wife and me, his daughter, to have him telling jokes and... Just being a funny, fun person to be around—I prize that so much. That was wonderful, absolutely wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing. Okay, and oh, what, was there any?
1: No, I think I think that was it. But it just—it gives me a great deal of comfort that that I got to spend that time with him where he was himself. He, he and my mom told me their stories of growing up and got in arguments about what happened. And just, he was too sick to do any of that before. So I'm really, really grateful. Um, I'm just very, very grateful for it.
0: Thank you for sharing your experience. It was really interesting to hear this perspective. That's an amazing testimonial uh, that you shared. I didn't know some of these things. Appreciate it so much. You're welcome.